Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux. Hope you're doing well. It is time for us to return once more to the scene of the crime to unravel some of the accumulating bits of mystery, inconsistency, confusion, and downright misinformation regarding the deadliest civilian mass shooting in recent U.S. history. Of course, I'm talking about Stephen Paddock and the appalling murders at Mandalay Bay. So, law enforcement have updated the numbers of dead and injured. Stephen Paddock killed 58 and injured 546. 501 have been discharged and 45 are still hospitalized. So this presentation builds on what we've already reported and includes new details about the note found in Paddock's hotel room, hotel check-in date discrepancies, a significant burglary, claims about Paddock's mental health, claims from an anonymous prostitute, the disappearance of security guard Jesus Campus, the story of Mandalay Bay engineer Stephen Shook, an update on the mysterious you're all going to die, claims the death of Kimberly Sukumel, and a full explanation of the disputed timeline. So strap yourselves in and get ready for a series of police blunders that make the Keystone Cops look like, uh, well, I guess something the free market would provide. So while law enforcement initially denied the existence of any note in Paddock's hotel room, leaked photos of the crime scene clearly displayed a paper placed by what looks like a green ashtray overall of tape. The existence of a note was later verified with reports that it included handwritten mathematical calculations related to the mass shooting. Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department officer Dave Newton said, I could see on the note he had written the distance, the elevation he was on, the drop of what his bullet was going to be for the crowd. So he had that written down and figured out so he would know where to shoot to hit his targets from there. Don't you just hate it when math guys go bad? Now, as far as this note, it's out there. It's leaked. I don't quite understand all of these leaks. It's kind of weird to me. So it's not official. Some people say it's not real and so on. It looks largely like gibberish, but that is the story as it stands. The check-in date. All right. Full props to Laura Loomer, L-O-O-M-E-R. You have to check out the work this woman is doing. So law enforcement originally reported that Paddock checked into the Mandalay Bay on September 28th, but independent journalist Laura Loomer obtained evidence that his check-in occurred on September 25th. I mean, that is absolutely astonishing. Think of the massive amounts of resources that are being plowed into figuring out this kind of stuff. And then figure out it's an independent journalist who gets the goods, who goes there, who digs in, who finds out, and who basically forces this reveal. I mean, that, that's absolutely astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. This is like billions of dollars being poured into NASA to get to the moon, and by the time the astronauts get there, there's Lauren Southern doing cartwheels in a spacesuit. No, you're not allowed to enjoy that image. Absolutely wrong. According to... Um, recurring comedy character and tradition, Clark County Sheriff Joseph Lombardo on October 13th, 2017. Now, this guy appears to be kind of falling apart linguistically and possibly mentally right before our eyes. I think he's not had a lot of sleep lately. So he says, and this is what he says. Uh, I know it's a little bit uh, of a pinball, but here we go. He says, the dates of the 25th versus the 28th, this was not breaking news. No matter who believed it to be so in this forum, 
We were aware of the discrepancy of the 28th versus the 25th in the early parts of this investigation. What we weren't aware of is why the date of the 28th was utilized in the early portion of this, as I was provided this information as part of the person registered in the suspect's room. (laughs) I don't think he's actually pulling words out of one of those um, tumblers that lotteries use, but uh, sometimes it seems that way. He went on to say, We have come to learn the suspects did occupy the room on the 25th, and the situation on how the room was compensated or paid for had changed, and the name as part of the registration had changed on the 28th to include Marilu Danley. So that was the confusion associated with that. No matter what the perception is, whether we were being non-transparent or we were attempting to be subversive as fake, I was acting on the information at the time I was provided it. As it turned out, non-officially credentialed, i.e. competent, market-facing and independently thinking, alternative media journalists like Laura Luma were barred from the October 13th press conference despite being allowed to attend previous Briefings. I guess the memo went something like this. Are you competent, smart, good at your job? Are you not beholden to your corporate masters? Do you actually want the truth? Sorry, you can't come to our press conference. Our incompetence can only be revealed to mainstream media journalists, which tells you something about the mainstream media journalists' level of competence. Now, this burglary is astounding. Stephen Paddock's Renault Somerset home was burglarized between October 7th and October 8th. This is a shocking security breach into an already controversial investigation. It's absolutely astounding. Renault Police Department Officer Tim Broadway reported that the suspect or suspects broke into the home via the front door, but was not immediately sure how these suspects gained entry. Ooh, so they're not exactly tunneling up from Middle Earth. They went in through the front door. (gasps) I don't know, Tim, maybe, just maybe, they found their way past the magical force field of the yellow tape. The FBI was informed of the security breach. And actions are being taken to, quote, make sure there are no further incidents. Horse, barn door, lock. At this time, police are unaware if anything was taken, if there were any specific damages and have no suspects in the case. Yep, sounds like they're just about to crack this one. Wide open. On October 9th, Clark County Sheriff Joseph Lombardo confirmed that law enforcement would be returning to Paddock's various properties for additional evidence gathering. So the possible significance of this burglary cannot be overstated. Who knows what evidence was lost? See, remember, this is a time when the investigation is still ongoing. They're still trying to figure out if there were accomplices or other people who might have known. So leaving properties unguarded when there could be somebody out there with a strong desire to wipe or destroy or erase evidence seems important to me. I'm not a professional, but I can think. And nobody said, did somebody come in and and steal something that was not visible? Did someone come in, in to wipe fingerprints? Nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever know. But it seems odd to me. Yes, it could be a thrill seeker. Yes, it could be somebody who wants a memento. Yes, it could be some crazy person. But that doesn't seem to have happened a huge amount in the past. So so you're safe because don't worry. The cops are on it. So NBC News. NBC News. Why do they? Oh, yeah, yeah. NBC News. I remember that. They're the ones who had the actual recording of Harvey Weinstein confessing to groping an Italian actress and police reports and decided not to run with the story, 
despite the fact that they ran approximately 10 billion unsourced anonymous allegations against Donald Trump. That NBC. And yes, I'm going to remind you of that every single time. October 6th, NBC News said, Marilou Danley, the woman investigators hoped would provide key details into the motive behind her boyfriend's deadly shooting attack, said she remembers him exhibiting symptoms such as lying in bed and moaning, according to two former FBI officials who have been briefed on the matter. Um, Former. Former FBI officials. Why are they being briefed if they're former FBI officials? Isn't that kind of not their job anymore? Do they have security clearance anymore? Are they bound... Why are they being briefed? I mean, it seems like all these leaks, it seems like there are people inside law enforcement who are getting really frustrated at the rank and massive, let's cross our fingers and hope it's incompetence and not a cover-up, going on in the investigation. It's almost like they're leaking information, hoping that the Borg genius of Paul is going to figure out how to, uh, how to deal with this. Just astounding. NBC News said uh, regarding the girlfriend, she said he would lie in bed just moaning and screaming, oh my God. Well, that's an image I didn't want. Um, One of the former officials said, one of the former officials said, the other former official said Danley spoke about Paddock displaying mental health symptoms. Now, if you recall, this is the woman. She allowed him to pay for things. He bought her tickets to go and visit her family in the Philippines, and he wired $100,000 to her, which I assume she gratefully accepted. Now, that is quite interesting to me. Because put this together, we'll see this over and over again. Sure, he's crazy, he's insane, he's mad, but it's not going to stop me from taking his money. Crazy, yes. Rich and generous, yes. Step over the crazy and grab the money. Ew. If he's crazy, don't take his money. That may be asking just a little bit too much. Apparently it was. On October the 8th, The Sun reported that a 27-year-old prostitute claims to have seen Paddock approximately nine times between November 2015 and June 2016. Okay, this is an unnamed, anonymous prostitute. How much credibility you want to put into it is up to you. Mine is not that high. According to the Sun, he boasted in a text in text messages about his father Benjamin being a bank robber who escaped jail in 1969. He wrote, quote, "I didn't have anything really to do with him, but the bad streak is in my blood. I was born bad." The escort described him as obsessive and paranoid, and said he would rant about conspiracy theories, including claiming 9/11 was an inside job by the U.S. government. I mean, I hate to point this out, but I'm sure everyone out there uh, who's dated is is aware of this. Oh, look, he was a bad boy and he got an attractive woman. The Sun on Sunday was shown text messages which appeared to show Paddock discussing tying her up, quote, as you scream for help. The escort broke off contact when she started a new relationship. It's like a relationship. Anonymous prostitute to the sun. (laughs) Actually, I will tell you, just off the record, that is one of my favorite yoga moves. Anonymous prostitute to the sun comes right after Downward Dog, if I remember rightly. She said, When I first met Stephen, I had left an abusive relationship and was starting all over again with nothing but the clothes I was wearing. He seemed like he wanted to help, 
We would go to the casinos together and he would spend hours drinking and gambling. But when he would have a winning streak, we would go back and have really aggressive and violent sex. He had a dark and twisted side, but even so, I could never have imagined he would do something like this. So, you see, you see how this is working? Again, we have, he's nuts! But am I still going to take his money? He's crazy, but rich and generous, so his madness is not going to interfere with me gold digging and mining everything I can out of his mentally decaying pockets. Kind of reminds me of Stephen Paddock's mom, who was supported and had four children with a psychopathic bank robber and con man. He is crazy. He's evil, but I'll sure take his money. Come on, ladies. Step up your game just a little bit. Post-Cro-Magnon would be excellent. Looking for it. On October 10th, it was reported that an autopsy had not found any abnormalities in Stephen Paddock's brain. But those reports don't paint a completely accurate picture. Okay. Remember, he was found blood in his mouth. The story is that... I guess he died of lead poisoning because he blew his brains out with a gun. So one of the abnormalities may be that the brain had been shot through. That seems like a fairly big and important detail. According to Clark County Sheriff Joseph Lombardo, he's back. The autopsy, yes, there has been an autopsy performed on Mr. Paddock or the suspect. In the early evaluation, there was no abnormalities observed visually. As a matter of practice in the forensic science, his brain has been shipped to an appropriate evaluation facility at the NFL in order to take a microscopic evaluation of the brain. Yeah, I made a joke. So they just looked at the brain and said, well, uh, I don't see a tumor. I don't see anything weird. I don't know. Did you check the wall, the lampshade, the ceiling fan? Maybe the tumor's up there. Maybe there's no tumor. Probably isn't. He went on to say, so the initial report that there was no abnormalities was a visual inspection of his brain, so it is yet to be known if there is any abnormalities to present it at a later date. Right, so, we don't know. We don't, I don't think he played football, though, but uh, that would explain a few things. All right, let us come to Jesus. Security guard Jesus Campus has gone missing. On October 9th. Mandalay Bay security guard Jesus Campus received an award from the International Union of Security police and fire professionals of America, and later arranged to do several media interviews to explain his side of the story. Now, this, these were big interviews with Hannity and other the big deal, big dudes, important stuff. On October 12th, campus vanished. Jesus is gone once again. And no-showed his fire scheduled interviews, with later reports suggesting that he was taken to an unknown clinic of some kind. Oh, and by the way, to return to the most excellent Ms. Loomer, she also reported Mandalay Bay security guard campus began working for the hotel uh, on the 30th of June, 2017. So relatively new hire. Security, police and fire professionals of America, Union President David Hickey said, for the past four days, he's been preparing. Thursday, we had a meeting with MGM officials. And after that meeting was over, we talked about the interviews we went to a private area, and when we came out, Mr. Campus was gone. Right now, I'm just concerned where my member is and what his condition is. It's highly unusual. I'm hoping everything is okay with him, and I'm sure MGM or the union will let media know when we hear something. Jesus in the wind. 
An armed security guard has also been posted outside of the campus residence, and the refusal of the family to answer additional questions has led to speculation about a possible gag order. Whether that's court-based or not, maybe there's something about them not. They certainly seem to be in no particular hurry to speak to anyone, and he, he uh, teleported somewhere. Campus sudden disappearance also came only hours after questions emerged relating to the law enforcement timeline of events being, quote, disputed, end quote, by MGM Resorts. Here we go. The timeline. Whew. The timeline at the moment, if you've ever seen those guys at the, the carnival, you know, they've got the three cups and the ball, they're moving it all over. That's kind of like watching this timeline these days. So, on October 9th, Sheriff Joseph Lombardo updated the original event timeline related to the arrival of security guard Jesus campus, sparking significant confusion and increased speculation. Also some questions that he did not seem very keen on answering. Maybe that's why Laura's not in the room. That probably is. While all the timelines acknowledge that Stephen Paddock started firing into the Route 91 Harvest Country Music Festival at 10.05 p.m., the addition of a time entry suggesting Campus approached the room at 9.59 p.m. would mean that he was shot well before the 10.14 p.m. time reported earlier, right? So I just want to make sure you follow this, right? So the original story, Paddock started shooting, the security guard interrupted him or found him, the security guard was shot, and he ended the, you know, the, the shooting from Paddock stopped out of the window and blah, 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 windows, right? So that was the story, right? Shooting stops. Security guard shows up. Security guard gets shot. Shooting stops. Now, doesn't seem to be the case. Now, that campus, the security guard, is shot before, like six minutes or so before, Paddock starts shooting into the crowd. That's kind of important. Since campus quickly reported his encounter with Paddock and the resulting gunshot wound, the guard allegedly being shot 15 minutes earlier than first reported raised questions about the expediency of the police response and if the mass shooting could have been prevented, right? 9.59 to 10.06. Oh, sorry, 10.05. That's a chunk of time. If he'd known, he radioed down, shooter in the room, I've been shot. Where's If the swarm had come, given that it took six, seven minutes for Paddock to start shooting... Could it have been prevented? And how could they get this wrong? He radioed down. He called on his cell phone. They have the time right there. It's on the call list. Look on the call list. Type it somewhere. Read it to reporters. Don't need Sherlock Holmes here. This speculation not only brought criticism upon the police, but also the the Mandalay Bay itself, prompting a statement from MGM Resorts. MGM Resort Statement, October 12, 2017, and I quote, Although we prefer not to comment on the details of the investigation, we are issuing this statement to correct some of the misinformation that has been reported. The 9.59 p.m. PDT time was derived from a Mandalay Bay report manually created after the fact without the benefit of information we now have. We are now confident that the time stated in this report is not accurate. See? That is quite uh, powerful. So the MGM Resorts is disputing the 9.59 and, of course, the 10.14. MGM Resorts statement, October 12, 2017. We know that shots were being fired at the festival lot at the same time as or within 40 seconds after the time Jesus Campus first reported that shots were fired over the radio. 
So there was not the gap, according to the MGM. So that's, uh, that's important. They wanted to say, Metro officers were together with armed Mandalay Bay security officers in the building when campus first reported the shots were fired over the radio. These Metro officers and armed Mandalay Bay security officers immediately responded to the 32nd floor. We will continue to work with law enforcement as we have from the first moments of this tragedy as they work toward developing an accurate timeline. That's a pretty nice way of putting it, guys. As they work toward developing an accurate timeline. As they learn how to count, we'll be right there with them every step of the way, helping them with their fingers and toes. Sheriff Joseph Lombardo on October 13th. Unfortunately, a great deal of my investigator's time has been preoccupied on this timeline. In the public spaces, the word incompetence has been brought forward. You don't say. I'm shocked. Shocked and appalled. In the public space, the word incompetence has been brought forward and I am absolutely offended with that characterization. Yeah, because that's that's what's important is whether Joe is offended or not, not whether the facts about the worst mass shooting in modern American history, whether you're upset, that's what really matters. He goes on to say, this is a very dynamic event. Actually, it's not a dynamic event. Dynamic events are things happening in the present. Stuff that's in the past is no longer dynamic. He must say, this is a very dynamic event, a very big event. Thousands of people involved, humans involved in documentation and every venue of information involved in this information, in this investigation. So the information was obtained via security logs, officer campus himself, by warrant cameras, hotel cameras, lock interrogation, my dispatch, LVNPD dispatch, hotel and private cameras and interviews. So imagine bringing all that all together to ensure that we are drawing an accurate picture. It's not complicated. Las Vegas is... Just about the most videoed and photographed area on the planet. Seriously. And more cameras in Las Vegas than in your average Hollywood casting room. For God's sakes. I know. I got an idea. Take the cameras from the main floor. Figure out when the cops dropped their donuts and started running upstairs. That might be. Check out Jesus' phone logs. That's not that complicated. But this idea... We have too many facts to possibly be accurate. If they're facts, then they accord with each other. It's not that complicated. I'm trying not to go down the rabbit hole, people, but this kind of incompetence is almost too much to believe. No, actually, it's too much to believe. It's too much to fully believe. I'm working on it. Sheriff Joseph Lombardo on October 13th. I'm very well aware of the MGM statement provided yesterday. I agree with their statement. No, their statement is saying that you're wrong. So if you can't agree with their statement without admitting that you're wrong. All right. I will try and take down the footnotes and continue with the information. He said, I'm very well aware of the MGM statement provided yesterday. I agree with their statement. I'm not in conflict with their statement. But here's what I will tell you. We were provided the time of 2159 as human entry into a security lock. Through investigation, we have determined that Mr. Campos had encountered the barricaded door adjacent to the suspect's door at approximately 2159. In his attempt to gain entry to the 32nd floor, required him to ascend to another level and eventually make access to the 32nd floor. He went to the doorway that he was dispatched to originally. He mitigated that situation and subsequently received fire from the suspect. When you culminate that timeline associated from the initial 2159 to 2205 timeline that we are all still stand by as the initial volley of fire, Mr. Compass received 
Campus received his wound, wounds in close proximity to 2205. He attempted to relay that information via his radio, and it was confirmed because he also relayed that information via his cell phone. So the timeline associated both of these sources have been verified, right? So you know, the door couldn't be opened, right? The, the door, I think it was a fire door at the end of the hallway, couldn't be opened, so he goes up to check. He can't open it. He goes up, crosses, I think, goes down an elevator and, and comes back to try and figure out what's going on. And then he gets uh, shot at. I don't know if he saw the guy and I gets shot at. And um, that's what's uh, going on. But yeah, it's, uh, i got to tell you, it's a little confusing to follow. I mean, Joseph Lombardo continued. 2205, the number that was provided earlier, referenced the majority of fire upon our community. We still stand by that time. And that was done by the combination of different sources that I listed for you earlier. 2217, 12 minutes. That is when our officers first arrived on the 32nd floor. 12 minutes. You're very well aware that the suspect fired at, at approximately 10 minutes upon our arrival on the 32nd floor. The firing had ceased. We did not believe we continually had an active shooter at that point. We conducted evacuations from the rooms adjacent to the suspect's room, and you know the rest. So there is no conspiracy between the FBI, between the LVNPD and the MGM. Nobody's attempting to hide anything. Reference this investigation. The dynamics and size of this investigation required us to go through voluminous amounts of information in order to draw an accurate picture. My attempt, like I stated earlier, is to give you the information as I know it, unverified, to calm the public, not to establish a legal case. Everybody understand that? No questions, sir! <laughs> yeah, I can see why you wouldn't want any questions. So basically, they just did, I guess, a verbal dump of unverified information in some hope of calming the public. Again, I'm not a PR expert, but I think you kind of want to get your facts straight if your goal is to calm the public rather than have them think you're a complete clusterfuck of incompetence. That does not give people a sense of calm, but rather makes them exceedingly uneasy and gives rise to significant questions about what the hell went on. So let's talk about Stephen Shook. On October 9th, Sheriff Joseph Lombardo reported that Mandalay Bay building engineer Stephen Shook was also present on the 32nd floor when Paddock started firing at security guard Jesus Campos. On October 11th, Stephen Shook provided an exclusive interview to the Today Show, where he elaborated on his experience. So this is Mandalay Bay, Mandalay Bay building engineer Stephen Shook. I was on a higher floor when I was called to check out a fire exit door that would not open. So I came down to the 32nd floor from a different wing, and when I was walking down, I didn't hear anything. Kept walking. I turned to the corner from what we call the central court into the 100 hallway. I thought I saw somebody poke their head out, but nothing set off my radar unusual yet, and it was silent at this time. And as I kept walking down the hallway, I was about a third of the way down the hallway, and I started to hear shots go off. They were not in the hallway yet, and as soon as they stopped, I saw Jesus pop out because the doors in the hallway are set back about a foot, and he popped out and yelled at me to take cover, and as soon as I started to go to a door to my left, the rounds started coming down the hallway. I could feel them pass right behind my head. Something hit me in the back, and I took cover. So Engineer Stephen Shook's radio transmission is called the police. Someone's firing a gun up here. Someone's firing a rifle on the 32nd floor down the hallway. It's at the end of the hallway. Uh, I can't tell you what room. He looked like he fired down the hallway when I got close to the door. Now, there's a reason I'm 
giving him minor Spock intonation. When Shook was asked about his eerily calm tonality on the radio transmission, he said, I'm incredibly blessed that somehow I came out of there alive. When he first started shooting, I was kind of in disbelief, but I told myself, remain calm. If I freak out right now, it's only going to get me killed or injured. Remain calm and call it over the radio so we can get police on their way as soon as possible. And Shook was asked if Jesus Campos saved his life. He said, yes, my whole family and I, we all appreciate him. At first, when the first shooting started, I was kind of frozen for a second, and he yelled at me, take cover, take cover. If he yelled a second too late, I would have been shot, so I owe him my life. Shook on if he was still on the floor when police arrived. He said, I was still there, yes, we were kind of directing them, like it's this hallway at the end of the hallway. Me and Jesus, we never saw the door open, so we thought he was shooting from the peephole in the door. We were just telling police that, and then my supervisor was there. He handed me his master keys, and I ran down and shut off all the guest elevators and stopped guests on the basement floor to let them know we have an incident upstairs, stay down here. Then I made my way back up to the 32nd floor to give him his keys so he could give them to the police so they could use them. Immediately after the shooting, Brianna Hendricks told local news in Las Vegas that a short Hispanic woman was escorted out of the concert 45 minutes before the shooting. She had been messing with a lady in front of her and telling her she was going to die, that we were all going to die. They escorted her out to make her stop messing around with all the other people, but none of us knew it was going to be serious. Contemporary Services Corporation was handling security for the event, and Chairman-slash-CEO Damon Zumwalt quickly told media outlets that this was a false report. Brianna Hendricks, on October 3rd, 2017. When it first happened, and it was reported that there were three shooters surrounding the area, I believed that this lady was telling us that there was going to be a shooting, but after finding out that there was only a single shooter, it's harder to believe that she would have known. So I don't believe now, looking at it, that she was telling us that there was going to be a shooting. I think it was just a statement that maybe she felt like she needed to throw out there because this lady would not let her into the front of the concert. Brianne Hendricks, October 3rd, 2017. At first she said, you're going to die. Then she said, they're surrounding us. We're all going to die. She kept saying that her boyfriend couldn't breathe. He can't breathe. I need to get to the front. And whenever you looked at the boyfriend, he was back there drinking his beer. So it's hard to think that there was actually a problem going on. Brianne's mother, Sean Hendricks. I really feel that... That was more of a personal type thing going on with some of the people that were in front of us. I overheard one of the males in the front. He turned around to another male who was behind him, and they were saying that they had said something about, they're all around us, and we're all going to die, or something to that effect. We're all going to die, or we're dead, or something like that. But I think it was more centered just on that group of people. It seemed like she was more focused on another girl, that was up a little bit farther and that she was really messing with her and the other people were kind of trying to keep her away from her. So that's why I thought it was more of a personal type thing. According to Snopes, Zumwalt told us he believed one woman had been ejected from the festival for being inebriated, but said he had heard no report of any information relative to your story. 
and referred us to MGM Resorts International, which owns and operates the Mandalay Bay Hotel and contracted CSC to provide security at the Route 91 Harvest Festival. So it's Vegas. There are crazy people around. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna die. You're gonna get you. You're dead. You know. I mean, it in some universe may be related to the shooting. I don't think so, but uh, certainly is a creepy coincidence. No, no question. But again, it's Vegas. Okay, so Kimberly Sakamel. This has raised a fair amount of controversy, and um, I'll give you some of the facts here. So, despite not being injured in the mass shooting, 28-year-old Route 91 Harvest Festival attendee Kimberly Sakamel passed away on October 9, 2017, sparking significant online spe- speculation due to her earlier online posts suggesting multiple shooters were involved. So, Kimberly Sakamel on October 5th, 2017... I kept looking back, expecting to see the gunman, and I say men because there was more than one person. There was more than one gun firing, 100% more than one. As we were running, we kept changing direction because it felt like no matter what direction we took, we were being followed. There are multiple people stating that there was a lady towards the beginning of the evening who had made her way up to the stage warning people that we were all going to die Her and her boyfriend were escorted off the premises. Why has she not been mentioned by authorities? Every single survivor I have talked to also remembers multiple shooters and at least one from the ground. Why aren't we being taken more seriously? Tons of things don't add up. According to Seacoast Online, Sakamal, who was taking medication for a pituitary tumor, shared her fear of trying to fall asleep at night as the sounds of gunfire became louder in her head, and the images of broken and bloody bodies flashed through her mind. According to her grandmother, Julie Norton, Kimberly had epilepsy, and she's always been prone to seizures. She told her friend that she recently had three focal seizures. I believe the stress from the shooting took her life. So again, it's it's somewhat the law of big numbers, right? I mean, so we got about 22,000 people are gathering for this country music festival. So somebody who's got pre-existing health problems and not insignificant ones, she's impacted by massive stress. The fact that she died after the mass shooting, it does not follow that something untoward occurred. So odds are that this could have happened. So just wanted to sort of put that out there. So, okay. A couple of uh, thoughts and opinions just to take away. There's a reason why I dig into and do these presentations. First of all, Sheriff Lombardo, sorry, dude, this is not your wheelhouse. You are operating above your pay grade. You need to step down. You are not helping. Being belligerent, being confused, being confusing, uh, not taking questions, being offended uh, and being upset when people have legitimate questions about a confusing pieces of contradictory information you're putting forward, that is not healthy. That is not helpful. That is not professional. Somebody else needs to step into those quivering shoes and calm everyone the hell down. Properties. Properties being broken into. It's a huge crime. It's a huge crime. One of the biggest crimes not involving Congress that's around. So secure the properties. Who knows who else is out there? Who knows if he had help? All of this is up in the air. For God's sakes, secure the properties. I don't even know what to say about that. These are the people who say, oh, yeah, you know, you don't need any guns because the police are going to protect you because they're great. Don't be cutting corners on this one at all. See, 
Most people don't get involved with the police. But when something like this happens, they look at the police and they say, oh, that's the police system. I don't just mean people in America, people around the world are looking at this situation and saying, oh, this is how the American police force operates. I don't think that you're giving taxpayers a huge amount of confidence in the value that they're getting from their coerced money. So, and, and don't take days between press conferences where you can't seem to get anything right. Don't do it. Image matters. People's trust matters. And it's not there. And this is not like, if this was like, I don't know, um, Deliverance Station, Backwater, Indiana, or something like that, population 92, you got to change the sign when people stop at the town for, for lunch. Okay, uh, I understand this would not be the creme de la creme. This is Vegas. A lot of policing going on in Vegas, right? A lot of drunken disorderlies. They want to keep the order. They want to keep things safe because it's a big tourist town. A lot of people out at night, a lot of people jacked up on winning and losing and, 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 and drink, and there's the prostitution. I mean, there's a lot of policing that goes along in Vegas. So this is not some backwater. This isn't like, well, you know, you wouldn't expect, you would expect anyone competent to not be in that position because they'd have moved somewhere else up there anyway. Here's another point, too. This experiment happened in, um, in Britain recently. I put all these cameras up, and they don't do a damn thing. They don't do a damn thing. This is, as I mentioned earlier, one of the most heavily surveilled state. This is the kind of surveillance you only get if you hire a Pakistani to manage your IT in Congress. This is a huge amount of surveillance. Cameras everywhere. Recording devices possibly everywhere. And they can't figure out what the hell's going on. This is sort of the NSA idea, right? The NSA says, well, we'll track everything and we'll record everything and that way you'll be kept safe. No, that's an illusion that is handed to you so you don't question your government's third world immigration policies. Don't worry, we'll invite a bunch of people in here. They have high crime rates, but don't worry, we'll then surveil everything and keep everyone safe. Well, all the surveillance, what did it do? Didn't prevent a goddamn thing. It's not helping to catch if there's anyone else involved. Who knows? Nothing is being established. There's all this confusion. So this idea, more and more surveillance, going to keep you more and more safe. Come on. So if they turn everything into a Las Vegas casino as far as surveillance goes, nothing was prevented. The source of Stephen Paddock's income remains just a little hazy. To me. I mean, just release his win-loss receipts. You got them. Just release them. That way we, people can figure out where his money was coming from. I mean, he paid cash, cash for at least one of his properties. That's unusual, I think. So what are his win-loss receipts? I personally don't believe that if you're making millions off a casino that they're going to be comping the hell out of you and inviting you back. Like, I get it. You know, there are whales, there are the big gamblers. And if they win a lot of money from the casino, the casino wants them back because they know the house always wins in the long run, statistically, right? It's just a numbers game eventually. And what was the source of his income? Because there is, you know, talk out there that there could be potential for money laundering, right? So, of course, what happens is you bring your cash in, you cycle it through a casino, and then your wins are legitimate, right? So where was his money coming from? I don't believe he was winning at all at the casino at all because the house always wins. And his brother reported that Paddock had been doing this for years. It was like his job. Now, the only way that you can reliably win as far as I understand it, at a casino, is if you're playing some sort of human card game or something like that, and you're a card counter or you have some fantastic memory for these kinds of odds, in which case, 
Again, as far as I understand it, unless you're Ben Affleck, no, even if you are Ben Affleck, you're kicked out of the casino and they don't want you to come back. And your name is circulated and you're done in the neighborhood. They don't want you around. I mean, it's astonishing. So, you know, if if a casino machine, you know, pays out 99.5%, then if you win a bunch of money, think of how much money they need to have cycled through just to make that up. Many, many times, the multiple. So... I don't know. Where, where's the source of income? If the win-loss receipts are produced by the casino, then it's very easy to find out if it's made his money gambling. If he didn't make his money gambling, where did his money come from? That's important because there's still so many unanswered questions. The ISIS claim is they've, they've tripled down. They're really saying uh, he was a soldier of the caliphate. He was the guy, you know, he, he radicalized him uh, uh, some time back and Okay, well, Paddock did take cruises to the Middle East. Could he have had meetings out there? Could he have met people? Who knows? Will there be any any way to find out? It seems unlikely. So I'm just putting that out there. There's no proof either way. But the fact that he was in the Middle East on cruises means that um, it's a tiny, tiny little bit of support for what seems to me a very sketchy hypothesis. Um, and so... I leave that for you to sort of mull over. Last couple of points I wanted to make. So the FBI have basically taken over. They're elbowing this guy aside, uh, Lombardo, and they're uh, taking over, which, you know, I guess is going to give people some comfort. Uh, Hopefully they'll do better than they did with the Hillary Clinton investigation. But here's the facts. You know, we, we have a thirst to know why this stuff happens. We're desperate to know why this stuff happens. What is the source? What is the motive? Naturally. Because we feel anxiety when this kind of stuff happens. This has changed open-air venues. Nobody's going to go to an open-air venue. Nobody's going to a place with an overlooking hotel and not think about this. So when something scares the living hell out of us, we want to figure out a source so that we can go back to relaxing and enjoying our lives as things fall apart. But, you know, as much as we can while things are falling apart. So we want to know the source of this. We want to know what happened. Because... I mean, I hate to say it. It seems like the only really competent person at the moment, thoroughly evil as he was, the only competent person in this entire story so far has been Paddock. You know, when smart people go nuts, uh, it is a very dangerous world. Uh, This is one of the Lex Luthors uh, of the planet as far as just the, the body count of the horrendous work that he did. So we want to know the source and the cause. Maybe something will come out, but I doubt it. Here's what I think. I think we just have to grit our teeth, and accept we're never going to know. We're not going to know. And this is part of the cruelty, right? I mean, this man was obviously a vicious, nasty, ugly, vermin specimen of a human being. And he knows, he's smart enough to know, that not knowing why he did it would be his final act of vengeance. Leaving us in the dark adds to the cruelty that he wished to inflict upon the world. Not giving. If he'd given us a note, then we say, oh, that's why he did it. <sighs> he doesn't want to give us that. I mean, if he's willing to murder people, he's certainly willing to make an entire population discomforted in the extreme. Now, <sighs> the multiple shooters. No evidence for multiple shooters. No people, oh, he's somewhere else in the hotel. Windows weren't broken. Vegas is full of flashing lights. There were flashing lights beforehand. I really... You know, the fact that everyone has pretty much a high-definition camera, sound, audio, video in their pocket. You've got 22,000 people waving cameras around. 
No other windows were broken. There's no evidence. There's echoes. There's people panicking. There's flashing lights everywhere. You're so, you get such an adrenaline dump that it is really, really hard. Eyewitness testimony is notoriously unreliable, but cameras don't lie and windows don't lie. There is not evidence for multiple shooters. And, uh, you know, maybe that'll change. But right now, please don't push irresponsible theories. Be conservative. Be respectful of the facts. Don't run your political agenda. And don't create this really annoying false superiority of, oh, you're just a shill or you're just a disinfo agent. MK Ultra crisis actors, false flaggots. I mean, good Lord. Just be responsible to the facts. Be responsible to the dead. Maybe information will come out. Don't just jump ahead and say, well, I know, this is the way it is, and everybody who disagrees with me is a jerk. You're just revealing yourself to be uh, an exploitive and manipulative piece of something or other. And uh, it is irresponsible, and it's wrong, and it's disrespectful to all of those who have suffered enormously in what may have been just a lone crazy person. Tragedy, most likely, was an immense evil concentrated in the form of a man whose father was a psychopathic criminal and whose mother saw fit to have four children with a psychopathic criminal. He claims to love his mom, who chose that piece of crap as his father. It doesn't sound like he talked about any of his childhood pain with anyone. It doesn't sound like many people inquired about his childhood pain and that which is not acknowledged, the brutality and the violence, is so often repeated. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Please Help out the show at freedomainradio.com slash donate.